Alongside this road, there are a lot of green containers all lined up at the edge of the pavement and they have blue lids, which means that today is paper collecting day. <laughs> so all our old paper is being recycled and I think once every two or three weeks um, you can put that all that discarded paper and carton stuff at the side of the road and they'll pick it up for free and recycle it. That's usually when I know it's Tuesday and time to record an episode of The Walk. Because Tuesday is usually my, uh, my walking day, at least for <laughs> walking plus recording. And uh, I wanted to get out a bit earlier than normal. Because um, I'll probably get a visit from Father Henry when he's done with uh, morning mass in the neighboring town of Ede. And he usually stops by because he's... He always goes there by bike and then uh, he stops for lunch at my place and we can talk. And today we definitely want to talk a little bit more about the past week. Uh, since I recorded this podcast, a lot has happened. You may remember if you listened to the previous episode of The Walk that I was a, a little bit puzzled by um, a call that Father Henry gave me in which he said, uh, do you have some time later today? And I was like, did I do something wrong? Well, why, why do we need to meet? And um, it turns out it was nothing that had to do with me, but it had everything to do with him. That is, uh, he told me that he had just received notice that the bishop has asked him to move to become the pastor of another parish in the city of Appledorn which is um, more to the north of, uh, of this um, cluster of, of parish churches. Um, it's actually not far from where I used to live, Amersfoort. And um, let me see, is this a road? Can I turn to the left here? I'm always looking for the entrance to the woods. I think this may actually be it. This looks like a dead end. And then it continues with a small path, what we're, we're about to discover. And uh, it's to the, to the east of, um, of Amersfoort. Don't smack in the middle of the, of the country. You can imagine that, that, that for Father Henry, that has been quite a shock. He's been here for a, for a long time, more than 15 years, comparable to the amount of time that I um, worked in, in the city of Amersfoort. And so he's really been able to put his stamp on, on this parish. And when he arrived here, that was not easy. Uh, there was a, I think if I go to the left, oh no, come on. I always, <laughs> it's always the same trap. It's the same like circular dead end. I, how many times has that happened that I walked into this particular street thinking, oh, the woods are straight ahead. And then no, <laughs> actually they're just houses and it's fenced off. You cannot enter the woods there. Ah, maybe one day I'll learn. <laughs> it's also because of fall. Everything looks different. The, the trees have different colors. and <laughs> It's so confusing. Why does everything change all the time? Which, by the way, was also the question that immediately uh, popped into my head. Why now? Why, why does this have to change? I, I had, I've just arrived here. <laughs> I've... I really like this parish. I like what Father Henry has done over these years. Um, it's a vibrant parish. It's really 
um, fantastic to see that in a time of decline in most of the Netherlands, this is a place where a lot of these locations are, are doing really well. Of course, can always do better. And there are some locations where the, the population is older and, well, you can tell that that's probably not going to survive in the long run. But in general, I think Father Henry has done fantastic work here. And of course, he's not the only one. But as a pastor, he's definitely the lead. And he's been, especially the last couple of years, been working really hard on the whole parish renewal um, movement. Uh, you may have heard of this. This is a um, something that, especially in Canada, is uh, making waves. It's uh, uh, James Mallon, um, another parish priest, who uh, has really found new ways to rejuvenate his parish. And, uh, and his focus is always on why are we a church? We want to make people followers of Christ. All the rest should lead to that. And it's, it's kind of a it's nothing new. It's been, this has been the core of what church is all about. It's a family of people that try to follow Jesus, but it's something that in, in many places is forgotten because we get distracted by so many other things that we think are important, but ultimately are not going to change people's lives, let alone change the world. And so Father Henry has, uh, has really, I think, uh, uh, Kind of felt the urgency of of uh, of how do you say that encouraging this uh, this renewal in his parish. He's been working really hard with the parishioners to uh, to start new initiatives, and that started to pay off. And so it's actually in a moment of I think real success where everything is really working well that all of a sudden he gets that request: Can you can you move? Can we move you to another parish? Um, and uh, he, I, what, what, what made me feel good about the situation is that um, after thinking about it, Father Henry has, has said yes, and um, and he he is not how would you say that <laughs> perturbed by it. Of course, it's very emotional um, because as a as a as a shepherd, you get to know people over time, especially 15 years. You know, he's, there's a whole generation of children. There's, there are entire families that only know Father Henry as their shepherd. And yes, he he's got to leave that behind. And it's, it's very much two-way, of course. It's not just as a pastor, you're not just there as a dis distributor of sacraments and homilies. But you also receive a lot. You're also a member of these faith communities. And so for him, too... The support, the love, the, the, um, the friendship of his parishioners has been an incredible uh, treasure in his life. And to, to leave that behind and not knowing what the future will bring, that's hard. Um, and, but to a certain extent, this is what life is always giving us. <laughs> there are, it's very rare to have times where everything stays put and stable and 15 years in one parish is actually a very long time. I don't think there is any other priest here in my diocese that has stayed in a place for that long in the same place. Um, the, the, the actual reason that they wanted to change things is that there is another parish in the, all the way in the east where 
that priest is going to work full-time in a secondary school. So he's no longer available as a pastor. Um, uh, he will just assist in the weekends. And so they needed someone else there, so they moved <laughs> another priest to that location. And then that city of Apeldoorn now needs another pastor. And that's how they came up with that idea. Well, maybe we'll should, we should ask Hen Father Henry to do this. And then, of course, <laughs> the big question is, who is going to replace Father Henry? Of course, for the at present, we're, we're doing well. We, there are three priests that are regularly available. Of course, you've got Father Eric, who's been ordained very recently. Here we are. We are in the woods. Good. <laughs> um, so Father Eric is, uh, is definitely going to ensure the continuity. Uh, but he's not the pastor. And since he has just started his uh, priestly life, um, that would be unreasonable to, to put that burden on him this early. So there is me. I'm just an assistant, of course. I'm of no use when it comes to running the parish. <laughs> but I'm still a familiar face every week for the parishioners. So that, I think, helps. And then, uh, But there, there needs to be a replacement. But we don't know who that's going to be. Because, as you know, there are very, very few priests in the Netherlands in my diocese, but we have more parishes than we have priests. And so um, we'll just have to wait for the bishop to tell us who is going to replace Father Henry. And you know, as much as I'm happy for Father Henry, I'm very sad for myself, I'm very sad for the parish because uh, Father Henry is a, is, a, is a great priest. I couldn't have wished for a better friend here um, when I when I moved from my previous parish to uh, to this place, um, we know each other very well. As you know, we we've been ordained together. We've uh, done part of our seminary together. Um, we're very different in character, in spheres of interest, but that's what makes it work. <laughs> we're also very much uh, um, how do you say that, attuned to each other, um, which was a great help for me as well because I felt like. I understand what his vision is for the parish, for the liturgy, for the evangelization or the new evangelization of the parishioners. So I can wholeheartedly support that and, and work with that. But of course, now that we get another priest, who's that going to be? <laughs> is, that, or is there going to be that same click? It's, I have to say that I, I was... I was not surprised because you always feel like, well, this is just part of the life of a priest, right? You, you are at the service of the church. You're not always in control. Um, but at the same time, I didn't expect it to happen this quickly. <laughs> I feel like I'm barely here. I was looking forward to working together with Father Eric and Father Henry for many years to come. And then all of a sudden, everything changes which also makes me a bit um, worried is a big thing. I was actually, I thought I would be more in shock, that I would be more anxious. Um, and this is also, I think, part of the growth that I've um, gone through, where I'm not as easily perturbed anymore by, by changes and, and sudden things that... I, I used to be very... These things could make me very anxious. It's like, oh my gosh, 
What's going to happen? What's, what are going to be the implications for me? Um, am I going to be able to stay here? Uh, does the other priest even want me to assist in the parish? All these totally irrational, worst-case scenario reflexes that I've had for, for many years. Of my, my, the majority of my life has been, I've been in kind of thinking in, in those reaction schemes, uh, patterns, you could say. Um, but now I was much more calm and at ease and thinking, well, oh, wow, <laughs> that's a big change. I need to let that sink in. So I kind of gave myself some time to think about it. Well, today, it's, not, it's been a week since he told me. So it's been announced in the parish this weekend um, and the parish where I was. Um, there, were, there were lots of people, I think like 250 parishioners, which is like, I've, I've rarely seen these, these big crowds anywhere else in the, in the diocese. That's very encouraging. So I got a lot of feedback. Father Henry was in another church. I got a lot of uh, immediate feedback from the parishioners. And... Uh, so, and that also helps me to kind of let it sink in, see how this affects other people. And most people were like, um, wow, we didn't expect this. It's actually, it's kind of logical in a certain way. He's been here so long. We've been so lucky to have him as our priest. Let's hope we get another good successor. Um, but all in all, the, the reactions were, were very... Uh, hopeful, faithful, I, I should say, in the sense that faith is always filled with a certain amount of optimism. This is not just, a church is not just a, a human organization. We can always trust that through events and through changes, the Holy Spirit also has a part to play. And, and that was encouraging for me as well, and affirming, because that's how I felt in these past few days when I thought it over. I was like, wow. Why am I not panicking? <laughs> why am I not immediately anxious? Why am I not resentful? Like, God, why do you take my good friend away? And we were having such a great time. Why now? I don't deserve this. No, it was like, okay. Let's see what happens. And this is something that Father Henry has said yes to. And so that means that I, I, I want to respect that and I want to honor that. Plus... His life and his the, the the course of his life is is not tied to the course of my life. In a certain way, um, God has a different plan for every one of us. And what matters is to focus on what is my vocation in this situation. What is, what could God ask me to do? How can I help? If you put yourself in that in that mindset, you tend to you know, get rid of the fear and anxiety. So the, this weekend, when I was talking to all these parishioners, my attitude or my what I hoped I could communicate was, don't worry, we're going to be all right, you know. Uh, having Father Henry for 15 years has been a great gift for this parish. Um, but it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, that's it, you know, we're done. Good morning big dog. Hey, buddy. Oh, two big dogs. I know you guys. I've seen you walking around in the, in the, in the woods. And then you didn't bark at me. You just wanted to eat my microphone. 
What's this noise? What are they doing here? These are all the beautiful houses here in the middle of the woods, beautiful villas. Oh, wow. Okay. They're, uh, they're making a new garden. They're working on a new layout for this, this beautiful garden. It's a nice white farmhouse with uh, a, a roof, like a straw, is that straw? Straw roof, beautiful. Almost looks like a fairy tale building, but the, apparently the garden needed some, uh, some reworking. That's, that's still in my, on my uh, to-do list for spring next year is to, uh, to work on, on my backyard, which is uh, a bit abandoned. All right, so I just crossed the road and I'm now entering the more familiar part of the woods here. No more houses because this is um, a nature reserve or at least a protected area. Uh, so there's an organization that uh, buys these um, areas, natural areas, and then they take care of making sure that it has the you know biodiversity and everything. It's, so this is a very curated part of the of the forest. I love it here. Um, so I, I, I just wanted to say, well, don't, don't worry. And I'm here because immediately people were like, well, we hope you're not going to, uh, to, uh, to move. We hope that Father Eric will stay <laughs> because then you see that same anxiety, you know, what's to come? How, what is our future going to be? Um, you know what you have. You don't know what you're going to get. And so I was like, don't worry, I'm, I'll stay here if, I, if I'm allowed to and I'll, I'll serve as much as I do. I'm, you know, you'll see me regularly celebrating Mass here and Father, Father Eric, same thing. And plus, Father Eric is part of the pastoral team, so he can also ensure that the overall direction of the parish stays on track, even if there's a new priest. Father Eric will also be there to continue the legacy of uh, what Father Henry initiated. Um, and, and putting myself in that position made me feel also calm and, you know, this is my, my place right now is to strengthen the faith of these people, to tell them it's going to be all right, to um, encourage them to pray, not just for Father Henry and all these changes, also to pray for his successor, who is already there. We don't know who it is. It's like when you get a new pope, <laughs> the, the old pope is dead. Um, or in the case of Pope Benedict, he's retired. Um, but the new Pope, we don't know who it is. The, the conclave will already, well, still will have to, to pick uh, the successor. But that person is already there. He's actually right there inside. So you can pray for that person. God will redistribute that, that prayer in, in his uh, inscrutable ways. So it's funny how... Um, if you if you step into the mindset of what can I what can I do for other people here in this situation? How can I help? You don't think about your own your own life, uh, your own anxieties anymore. Um, and I think it, it's in a certain way it's a blessing that I'm here. That Father Eric has been uh, appointed in this parish just this recently. Um, so it still feels like, and this is part of the, why Father Henry says, I, I think I can, I can leave. I think I can accept this nomination because I feel like the parish is in good hands. I, I think um, 
they're going to be okay. And that, of course, is, is a lot... It's also for Father Henry, it's, it's, a, it's a help to let go and to accept the change because uh, he knows that it's not going... It doesn't all depend on him, uh, which is, of course, a very important lesson to learn for anyone who has whatever type of leadership is, um, is to be in a position where your mission or the mission that you are a part of, because it's never really our mission, we cannot, it's not our, our possession... It's, it's God's work. But that, that, that mission will continue um, even if you are not the one who leads the pack anymore. Uh, and that's not always the case. You, you're going to have situations where you feel like, but if I leave, everything is going to crumble. <laughs> you know, Sometimes there's still a, a dependency. And, and, and then, of course, it requires much more faith even and trust that somehow God will take care of his flock and then he will find other ways to, uh, to do that. No matter what, every situation of change is a challenge to, to believe um, and to also to, em- to embrace the possibility, it's never a guarantee, but to embrace the possibility that change will actually bring new life to to you, to the situation, to the work, to your projects. And, and maybe that's why um, I'm, not, I'm not stressing out that much. Because this, these past two years, that's been my experience. There have, have never been changes like the ones I've experienced uh, in, in, in recent years. And yet, if I look back and ev- I evaluate, I'm thinking... It's all been good. Even things that at first seemed pretty catastrophic, well, not catastrophic, but way more um, impactful than I ever thought, like not having a a stable job for for Dutch television, not having that regular production life where I I just knew that if I do that well, then there's nothing to worry about. Uh, when I heard that they were going to cancel the show, I had no idea where, what to do. I was very, very insecure. And as you know, I've, I tried out so many things. I was kind of like just constantly, um, what is it, uh, slapping spaghetti to the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> I've done that for, and I, I apologize because you have also been the victims of that kind of panicked behavior where I was like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. And it was almost as if you've just fallen off the Titanic and you're just swimming for your life, trying to hold on to everything you can find of wreckage and see if you can, um, if you can stay alive. Um, and, and you've also witnessed how all things started to calm down I started to just let go of that frenetic um, desperate clinging on to every new idea and trying out a ton of things and thinking that everything should depend on me just working harder <laughs> sometimes the best thing to do when you uh, when you fall off a Titanic is not to spend all your energy 
you're frantically swimming. Sometimes you just it's maybe better to just float and wait for another boat to sob by <laughs> and spare your your uh, your strength for uh, instead of wasting it all on this this survival uh, uh, f- uh, frenzy. Um, but of course, it's in, that's much easier to say in hindsight than it is when you're in the midst of things. So I'm I'm grateful that Father Henry is not panicking. Uh, he's of course, it's it's a big change because it's a totally different type of parish. It's one city basically. They have one church left. It's a huge basilica. It's a gorgeous church. It's a bit in the neo-Gothic style, and uh, oh, it's it's a beautiful church. Um, almost, almost a cathedral. Liturgically, it's um, it's also a really uh, a great community. Of the, yeah, so all that is great. There are a few villages that he will also serve. Um, he'll probably actually live in one of those villages instead of uh, living in the city because the 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 basilica is in the center of the of the town. And yes, there is a rectory, but half of it is. Um, is used for parish business, and then upstairs it's not not in a very good state. So he'll probably um, live in one of the rectories of the smaller villages. But that, that for him, it's, it's a huge change, because here he lives in the center of a student city, uh, where he could just walk out the door and he will encounter parishioners at every street corner. Um, plus, he's surrounded by students of all sorts of uh, nationalities, and he loves that. Um, like me, uh, he's more of a European than he is uh, just a, a Dutchman. We've both studied in Italy, so we we love that international vibe. Well, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same in his next parish. So <clears throat> that, that's, a, that's a huge change. But on the other hand, it may also become a little bit calmer and he doesn't have the this large amount, all these different parish locations, like here, I think he already had to close three churches and there are more on the, on uh, scheduled to be closed. And so to be constantly in this process of managing um, a situation that is, that, that where there, there are too many buildings and all the communities are getting smaller and, and grayer and older, except for a few locations where it's, going totally the opposite way where you've got lots of families that is a very whiplash inducing situation to work in um, and he's a very very hard worker uh, I, I've lived in, in Father Henry's rectory together with Father Eric and um, and two Italian students for uh, half a year and he was always working it's like oh constantly he was working so much that he uh, barely took time to eat or to read a book. Um, and I've sometimes been worried about that. It's like, dude, you're, you're, you're doing so much. Is there anything you can let go? And he's like, no, I can't. It's my duty. <laughs> so I hope for him. And I actually really um, pray that, that he will be in a situation where he will have time to read a book and life will calm down a little bit. Of course... Ultimately, that's it's usually not just the situation, right? When when you're super busy, it's also 
it's in your own mind. I know that very well. Uh, even though I didn't have the deadlines of television work anymore, I started to create all these new goals and then I got stressed out just as much as I used to be because I, I, I felt like I had to do all this stuff. And, well, it's, I'm still on this journey of um, discovering what God really wants me to do and to trust that he's going to take care of me if I focus on his will. And, and, uh, and to discern, and this is, this is always a part of uh, any spiritual journey, is to learn the difference between what is useful and what is God's will. If you translate that to, let's say, general coaching vocabulary, you could say, what is your area of, um, what is it, excellence or... or expertise it's this this i i forgot the that ultimate so you you can do a lot of stuff that you're good at you know think of uh, what uh, cliff ravenscraft uh, often shares about his journey he was at one point very well known as the podcast answer man and he was um, helping people to start their own podcast and then he would make some money on the side by selling um, packages of, of equipment and he would have these uh, one-on-one sessions where he would tell people, so if you want to connect, if you want to do a mix minus on your mixer, this is how you do it. And, uh, and, and he was very good at it. But he felt like, well, this, but this is not my true vocation. I, I really want to coach people. I want to help them to change their mindset and to pass on what I myself have discovered in my journey uh, that, that sometimes you have to make a big leap not really knowing, you know what you leave behind and you know that it worked well and it was, you know, giving you stable income, etc. You don't know if you make that change what you're going to get. But you have this idea, you have this feeling that I am called for, to do not just what I'm good at, but I have to do what I excel at, what no one else does in the way I do it. You could call that also a vocation. Because ultimately, the, the, you know, your professional life and your, your calling in, um, in your spiritual journey don't compete. They may very well overlap. I mean, why would God only care for your spiritual life? No, God cares for all, everything you do and he wants to guide you in all decisions. So why not also in your career choices? But I think it all comes down to the question... That very, very basic question that used to be part of every children's catechism in school and for the previous generation. Why am I here? You know, why am I here on this planet? What is my unique contribution? And this is the difference, I think, between this life and eternal life. Um, In this life, we have limited time. And as you grow older, you start to realize that it's, your younger years are not going to come back. Every age has its, has its grace. I, I'm very much convinced that if you embrace your age and you acknowledge the specific graces that come with growing older, becoming wiser, 
um, knowing your own limitations, uh, having more experience, knowing people, having <laughs> a broader family. Um, if you embrace that, then, then every age is not lost. You do lose things in life. Things keep changing as you grow older. Your hair goes gray, your eyesight diminishes. Uh, you may not be able to qualify for the Boston Marathon anymore, as you may have been able to do had you, done, have, had you started to train more professionally 15 years ago. But that doesn't mean that uh, it's, it's just loss. It's also you gain a lot of things. But all in all, at one point it's going to end. And so this is why this life on Earth is all about making the right choice. And, and as you, when you're young... You feel like, oh my gosh, everything is possible. And uh, especially <laughs> if, you're, if you have a, a creative mindset like I always have had, is like, I want to do everything. <laughs> I would love to, to have a career in, in, in documentary making. I do want to uh, make, build bridges between the world of popular culture and, and uh, our modern... Uh, and the... the the life of the church. I want to create Lego um, educational videos about faith and I want to be a writer. I want to be a cartoonist. Uh, and as you grow older, you start to realize, well, wait a minute, time is running out. I cannot do everything. And I love everything. But again, even for the things that you like, I would say, wait, where am I going to put my time? And what is giving me the maximum return on investment. Think of, um, just crossing my mind, because this morning I had that choice to make. Think of the way we use our phones. Uh, every day, we, we, the moment we wake up, we grab for that phone, and what do you, what's the first thing you start to do? How are you spending your time on your phone? Is it by, for instance, just always checking the news? Or as my dad used to do, always checking the weather. Like, not just once a day, but every single 15 minutes he would, he would look on, the, he, would, uh, he, he would read the weather forecast. Some people um, love to just scroll through their social media feeds. Some people call it doom scrolling for that reason. It's like they just keep on reading, reading, reading. It's not really giving you true wisdom it's just adding information which is not the same filling your brain with stuff is not the same as, as using your brain to to grow right so an accumulation of knowledge is not the same as growing in wisdom i think pope benedict said that uh, once and always rem remembered that i think it's right on the money because because oftentimes we just spent all our time just doom scrolling and we go through all these updates you know uh, as I'm recording this, this is the election day in the United States so everybody is just watching the TV constantly and scrolling through Twitter or if you're on another social I'm on Mastodon now it's just looking for updates so keep following keywords oh, wow that's a whole bunch of dogs there <laughs> I think they're like one two three four five six seven eight eight dogs this must be one of those um, 
we will walk your dog for a small fee initiatives. A lot of people have to work during the day. And, uh, and so you can just um, pay an organization to walk your dog several times a day. <laughs> it's like daycare for dogs. Anyway. Um, so, but, but it's not the best way to, or in my case, for instance, sometimes I just like to do something that just occupies me. Oh, big helicopter coming over overhead. We're not far from a military... Uh, oh yeah, there you go. It's a military uh, attack helicopter. And then there's another one that's also an attack helicopter. Because it's got uh, these um, protrusions on both sides of the wings. They've got small wings and then they have uh, rocket launchers on uh, both sides. So they have military training often in this area. Um, but most of the time we'll see these um, uh, troop, trooper carrier helicopters. They're much bigger. They're almost like a bus. They have two rotary blades and then uh, they, they just have a, a group of soldiers on board. These I've never seen these fighting helicopters uh, or attack helicopters, how do you want to call them? Um, but I can kind of think it makes sense. They, those pilots do have to train. Um, so I, I, sometimes I just like to play these dumb games on my phone and it's really the dumber the better, you know, just click like I play Simpsons tapped out and you basically have just Springfield, this is the village where the Simpsons live, but uh, you have to build it yourself and so you can create roads and, and you collect like little tokens and if you save up enough tokens you can buy a new building or a new character and so I've got this big collection of all these Simpsons characters from... <laughs> and it's fun because I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Simpsons. I love to, uh, to, um, to get that, that one character that was in season 12, episode 5. <laughs> it's this unending quest for stuff, which ultimately it's just pixels. <laughs> you know, it's not going to change my life. And sometimes you get so kind of caught up in all these games of course just like a lot of our social networks are um, are using our psychology the way our brains work to give us these moments of of reward gratification it gives you a bit of dopamine um, and it's like the the thumbs up you know the likes and all that even if you're if you're on instagram you post a picture you get no likes you feel kind of rotten it's like oh my gosh i love this pizza that i just took a picture off and then but then when your friend starts to like it and they leave a comment like oh my gosh that looks like the best pizza ever you get that little reward is that pizza going to change your life is it going to change the world no <laughs> so it's always i'm not saying that it's bad because we all do this this from time to time sometimes it's also a way to kind of rest your brain in a certain way but is it the best thing that you can do and if it takes up so much time what are you missing out on Oh, this is my favorite part. It's like this open spot in the woods. You're a, a mother, there's a mother uh, playing with her young girl, and she, the, the kiddo is climbing a, a dead tree. <laughs> and the mom and the dog are watching over her to make sure she doesn't fall off the tree. Ah, oh, what, a, what a great environment this is. I love it here. Um, 
So even in, in the way that we spend our time on, on, on the, the stuff that we watch on TV, sometimes I'm watching the, uh, like a series and, I, and then thinking, well, why am I actually watching this? I just watched this because I watched the first two episodes. I don't even like this series anymore. But, but, I ha- but it's on my list. I want to watch it. Well, but you're also spending time that you may, that you could have spent on a, on a great movie that you will, that will really change your way of looking at the world or make have an emotional impact. So, well, how do I invest that time? Now, I'm not. I think it's a bit of a trap to to always try to optimize every part of your life. I mean, that can also make for a super frenetic restless attitude where you constantly feel like oh but I'm not doing enough and I I should spend my time better and you feel guilty about wasting time you can waste time with your friends when you're done with the harvest uncle owen <laughs> sometimes you just have to waste time it's it's uh I I don't think that god wants us to be super meticulous and uh constantly guilt-ridden that you're not doing enough or you're not spending your time wisely enough. Oh, more doggies playing around here. Are these the same dogs? <laughs> Funny, there's a white dog running towards us with this huge, huge part of a, like, branch of a tree in his mouth. <laughs> what is it with dogs in these branches? I never. That must be the, the the instinct, the hunting instinct. You know, these, these dogs were often trained, or certain races of certain types of dogs were trained to uh, retrieve uh, the prey uh, when people were hunting. And I, I think that's probably behind this whole behavior of you know, throw that frisbee, throw, throw the frisbee, and then run, 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 run. I have the frisbee. I bring it back to you. Throw it again. Throw it again. <laughs> Seriously. Dog, is that the best way to use your time to run after a frisbee? <laughs> Aren't there better things you can do with your time? No, a dog just wants to run from time to time. It's healthy. Who cares? <laughs> it's just a frisbee. But So don't overthink it. But sometimes it's good, especially when changes happen. That can also be an occasion to stop and to think, how, well, how is my life right now? Can I make some changes that will improve uh, what I do, make me happier, uh, Time is limited. The difference with eternal life is huh, it's the duration. Eternal life is this basically endless, endless world of possibilities and creativity. This is why all our depictions of heaven are so rubbish. Seriously. You know, there are churches in Rome and you look up and they, they've depicted heavens. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> and it's just clouds and like these overweight uh, 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 angels. <laughs> these, what is it, cherubs? They've, with tiny little wings and they've been to McDonald's like five times a day. And, and, and you've got some saints usually looking very stern and very solemn. And, uh, and then you've got the Trini- Holy Trinity and the Virgin Mary. But everybody is just sitting on a cloud and just smiling slightly at the people below, telling them, yeah, you do. you're going to be okay. <laughs> I've always wondered, why do we depict the heavens like this? Why do we always tell jokes about the pearly gates and stuff? 
that would be a super boring place, seriously. <laughs> what fun is that to just like float around amongst the clouds? So I think instead, of course, we're just always using our very limited imagination and, and imaginary, how do you say that, our, the images that we know um, and, and a lot of the ways in which we depict something that is actually beyond the realm of our physical world is by using metaphors. It's, it's all an, an analogy, of course. It's a, you indicate something, but it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not a photograph, right? Um, but I think that one of, one of the things that I hope for eternal life is, and, and if you think about it, it actually makes sense, we are created in the image of God, right? Um, God is a creative God, a creator. He constantly creates. He creates through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is life-giving, but is also constantly coming up with new ideas. Artists, I think, are very much attuned to the Holy Spirit. Their creativity is tapping into this, this original creativity of God that continues to change our and affect our world. And it's a creativity that is literally boundless. Look at the skies, look at the universe, how, how big our galaxy is. We are able to look back in time for billions of years. And, and the more we, the, far, the further we can reach with our telescopes, the more we will encounter more star systems and galaxies and, and, and strange worlds. Which I think is a beautiful metaphor of God's endless creativity. Um, why would there be an end to, to the physical world? If it's created by God, God has been there forever and he will be there forever. So we will just continue to create. There is literally no end to it. Um, which is actually very good news for us as well. Since we are made in the image of God, we too have that same creative gift of the Holy Spirit that works through us. And in this life, we still have to choose. You cannot be in multiple places at once. You can, Father Henry has been a pastor here for 15 years, which means he hasn't been a pastor somewhere else for 15 years. And that feels limiting, right? It's like, oh, well, gosh. Like St. Therese of Lisieux, this young uh, a religious sister in France lived in a tiny village in a convent, but she would dream about traveling the the seas and uh, to be a missionary, uh, to to fly to other planets. She had an abound, a boundless imagination, and she often had trouble reconciling that that drive that she had um, with her very very confined, small, little life in the north of France. Um, and, and I love that because she, she ultimately found the solution to this dichotomy by saying, well, but in my mind, in my prayers, I can travel the world. I can reach out. And God, through my prayers, can do all that stuff that I'm dreaming about. And that's already here on on earth, let alone later on when we're in the eternal life, that creative drive will flow unhindered through us. So I think, I think heaven is going to be a place of great creativity. How? I, I don't know why. Uh, something, 
you always wonder, okay, so when we die, our body doesn't leave this earth, right? We return to the dust that we came from, that we were made off. But our spirit, our soul is eternal. We believe that it's with God. So how can we be creative if there is no matter to work with, right? Again, we're talking about stuff that we cannot really grasp with our limited minds. But then I'm thinking, well, but hey, Catholics, we believe in the physical, the bodily resurrection. And if you want to have an indication of why that is part of our faith, look at the Virgin Mary. Oh, wait, I've got a... Oh, Father Henry's calling me. Hold on. Do I have my phone with me? Yeah. I've been... That, this is what I thought would happen. He's probably standing at my door right now. Hold on. Hey, dag Henry. Sta jij voor mijn deur? <laughs> ik kom er zo aan. Ik was nog aan het wandelen. Ik ben er over uh, twee minuten. Tot zo, doei doei. <laughs> you see? I wasn't making this up. I just thought he would be uh, at my place much later. Usually he spends a lot of time just talking with the parishioners after mass. So I expected him at noon instead of right now at 11 o'clock. But that's not a problem. I was wrapping up anyway. So, since the, the, the Virgin Mary is now with God, body and soul, according to the Catholic creed, the Christian creed, you could say, although some dominations have a, you know, different opinions about the Virgin Mary, of course, but for me, the, this bodily resurrection is, a, is also a, a source of hope. Because I'm thinking, well, at least that's what we know. <laughs> you know? We, as, when we are creative, we also work with what God gives us in terms of matter. And, and I, can you imagine Michelangelo in heaven not having anything to sculpt with? You could, of course, tell him, well, just imagine the statue in your mind. I don't think that works. <laughs> Same thing with painters. You know, you, you want something to paint on. You want something to paint with. Um, again, I'm just... It's a, just a hypothesis, of course. But I do believe that creativity... And it's endless creativity. So we, everything that you have ever had in terms of creative desire, you don't have to choose anymore. Here on Earth, we are supposed to make choices. And the, there is also a benefit to that. Yes, it's, it feels limiting. But it's also an exercise in... In discernment, and this brings me back to the beginning of this this talk, is um, with the limitations of this life, time passing by, you not being able in multiple places at once. Some saints were supposedly, allegedly able to do that. We can't, but you are you are challenged to discern with God. So where am I going to spend my time and energy? And that also means I have to let go of a lot of ideas and plans that I had. And the, the older you get, the more you see the necessity of, of, uh, of investing in what, in what has lasting value and to discard what is ultimately not that important. If you know that you only have one year to live, you will make different choices than, than right now, right? Because then you would immediately start to think, okay, but 
how am I going to spend that last year here on Earth? What is really important? What do I really want to do? In fact, we should probably always, from time to time, think about about that about you know where where is my zone of excellence? What is my unique contribution to the world? What what job does God give me? And if if he's pointing in this direction and I've discerned it, I've prayed about it, I've asked people's advice, then go for it. And don't be afraid to let go of um, what you used to do. It, it, the, the only thing, the only way you need to focus on is the way forward. Don't, don't look back in regret all the time. I know I'm also talking to myself, but it helps to, to, to work on that faith that God is, he looks at your life uh, and he sees what, what worked well. He also sees what didn't work well. But he, he will never dwell on that. He will never tell, hey, dude, I'm giving up on you because really you messed up So up until this moment. No, he was like, do you want to come? Do you want to follow me? It doesn't matter how old you are or how much energy you have. I have just a thing for you. And it's, it's up to you to figure out what is just this one thing that God wants me to do? If you go for that, if you follow that, you cannot go wrong. That's it. I'm back at the, at the rectory here. And uh, it's time to uh, provide Father Henry with coffee. And uh, I have this spe- special, like, St. Nicholas... Uh, what is it? Like, cake. Ah, there he is. Hello, hello. How was life? Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I'm just. I just told my listeners that you were going to move to another parish. Oh yes. Yeah. They are listening now also. Yeah, they're the listening to you. Yeah, they, well, they know you very well. So. Uh, okay. So I have this basically one hour of just just praising your your qualities <laughs> and, and and mourning and. Bad for humility. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not telling you. Today's gospel is: uh, we are just useless servants. Yeah. Um, so um, about a plower that uh, has to be at work immediately on the next task when he comes home. Uh-huh. Um, so not, the Lord should not be grateful to him for doing his work. Yeah. He should immediately prepare his meal. <laughs> but I think God is probably grateful for what you've done, even though you're just a useless servant, right? Uh, I mean, it does count for something. I hope so, yes. <laughs> but it's, it's all grace, so we can never appropriate it. Tutte grâce. Tutte grâce. Everything is grace. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your, uh, of your day, and we'll talk soon. God bless.